morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza, and really interested in speaking with our guest today. I'd like to go over her bio a little bit so I don't miss anything because she has a very extensive background that I'm sure you guys will love over the next 60 minutes. So the author's name is Christy Duarte, and she's an award-winning author of Spiritual Novels, The Transmigrant, and her current book, The Holy Conspiracy. She developed her expertise on Jesus, or Jesus, or Yeshua, and the disciples by studying ancient scrolls and historical scriptures, including the Nag Hammadi Library, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Josephus Flavius's Antiquities of the Jews. A true cosmopolitan and modern-day nomad, Christy grew up in Sweden. She was raised by Estonian refugee parents and has lived in six countries across three continents. For the last 22 years, she has made New York City her home, but is always ready to move somewhere else. And when she's not working, she has already visited nearly 80 countries across the world. Now, her life changed forever in 1994 when her parents died in a fire in a ferry accident. This triggered her spiritual development and search for her true self. A few years later in New York, she met a renowned spiritual channel, Alex Murray, who taught her about channeling, and she later studied Reiki healing and Akashic record reading, which has also greatly influenced her writing. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Christy Duarte to the podcast. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much, Hamza. Yeah, it's nice good to, to have be you. Here. Good to have you on because of that varied background. I, I love speaking with with people that weren't born and raised in one place and never left. And for someone that's traveled as extensively as you, it gives you a wealth of experience from those that are around you. So you're definitely a, a breath of fresh air if you haven't heard that enough. <laughs> Thanks. Sure, sure. So, well, I'll, first of all, uh, please accept my condolences to your parents. Um, whenever that happens, no matter how long it is, it, it you know, time seems to stand still, especially for our loved ones. Yeah, I think when um, your parents die, um, I mean, I was fairly young at the time. I was 26, and... It's like the, you, it's like the rug gets pulled from under your feet because somehow you think your parents are always going to be there. And I read somewhere long, long time ago when I was a kid that parents are like furniture, like they just are, right? Like it takes mm-hmm. you, you <laughs> I mean, it's terrible to say, but I mean, I love my parents dearly and they were wonderful people, but I never... Like, I never got to know them as people because they were always my parents. And I, I, I wish so, so dearly that I could have gotten to know them and, and better. But now I just know them uh, as, as uh, past parents and also, I guess, as spirits, you know, because I know them on a different level now. Mm-hmm. Now, since that was so, some time ago, and it is your immediate environment with your parents, as you said, and you said that we're, you were used to living a certain life, there was a certain certainty. And it sounds a lot like the theme for this year, where at the beginning of the year, or 
go back one more day, for New Year's Eve, everyone had these great expectations of normalcy and increase like we do for every year. And here we are 10 months later, which is like no one could imagine. So a part of us has uh, transitioned as well. Are you seeing any parallels? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like if, you, if we would have known, if we would have known that 2020 would be like this, you know, that we had a year or maybe a year and a half or two years ahead of us that would have been, you know, where we couldn't go to the theater or we couldn't go to, to see a band, live band, or see our loved ones, or as, as you mentioned in an earlier discussion today, you know, we would have, like, done that much more and enjoyed it more and, and appreciated more. And, and it's the same thing when somebody dies. You know, you're, it, like, in hindsight, you think, like, oh, I could have asked these questions. I could have, you know, I could have told somebody I love them. And, and I know a lot of people, too, in, like, this year have lost loved ones to COVID and to other, you know, um, diseases, too. And it's kind of like, yeah, like, I mean, it's 2020 hindsight. 2020 is the year of hindsight, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and what's also interesting is yeah, we're usually kicking and screaming in different environments where we would say or argue, I didn't sign up for this, uh, but before we were incarnated, we actually did. It's just the veil of forgetfulness, and you forgot that you wanted to be here at that moment. Um and I know some of that sounds a little woo-woo, but I'm thinking over 20-plus years of you being in the spiritual world that it doesn't sound as woo-woo to you. <laughs> I was just going to say, this doesn't sound woo-woo at all. Um, actually, like when my, when my parents died, it was like the biggest um, peacetime accident in Europe. So it was a ferry between my two home countries, Estonia and Sweden, and um, like 900 people died, you know, so it's a huge, huge, like everyone knows about it in Europe. So I remember, and of course it was like a huge shock and like it took like, it took a month for us to find out that my parents had, um, their bodies had been found. And, you know, so, I remember being, I think it must have been after their bodies had found and we had actually buried them. So we're lucky in that sense because like 800 people, 800 bodies are still in the bottom of the sea and their their relatives couldn't bury them. And I mean, there's, that's a process in that. But what I was coming to was at, because it was such a huge thing, there were like all these like, you know, radio interviews and stuff like that. And I remember being interviewed by Finnish radio and they had me, they interviewed me and they interviewed other people at the same time, or we were in the same room or something like that. And they, and I heard other people say, why, why did this happen? Why did it happen? Why did they have to die? And I thought, I know why my parents had to die because they chose to die at that point because that's as long as they, they on the soul level, as you said, um, before you're born, you choose your life and the lessons you're going to learn and the, like, whatever 
you want to teach others and the family you get born into and that and everything like that. So I know that however painful it was to lose my parents, and believe me, I still cry, like still today, 28 years later, 28 is it 20, 26 years later, I still, I still cry, but I am certain that I had them as parents, those souls as parents, that they chose to die at that point, that they chose that their bodies were recovered. Um, I know that for sure. And, and I've always known that for sure. And one of the funny things, and this is going to sound so silly, but like when my, or woo-woo, <laughs> when, my, when we got home to my parents' house, I have two sisters, so we all flew back. None of us was living in, my parents were living in Sweden at the time. Um, we all flew back to Sweden, and we went to the big house where we had grown up. And we were like, oh, my God, like the, the washing machine. Like we had like this small room with a washing machine and the dryer and all that. The washing machine was like so clean. So mom must have cleaned it before she left. So I was like, you know, it's kind of like she knew like, oh, I'm not going to come back. So I better clean it. Mm. I mean, it's silly things like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, so were you living in New York? At, no, you were still overseas. So what, I was what, living in, go ahead. You were living in Finland? No, I was living in Estonia. Um, okay. So my my parents, as you read in the intro, my parents came to Sweden um, as children, as refugees during the Second World War, and then they could never go back because of the Soviet occupation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was born in Sweden. I grew up there. But then when Estonia became independent in 1991, I moved back. So I lived in Estonia for six years. Um, And that during that time, then my parents passed away. And because the ferry sunk in international waters, then Finland was involved because it was in the like it was right between Sweden and Estonia and Finland. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay, thanks for that clarification. (laughs) And I was already pushing you. Oh, you're like, take your time, take your time. I I wanted to know. (laughs) What led you to to leave that area of the world to come to New York? Well, it was, I was in a bad, um, how can I say this? I was in a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unhappy. Uh, it wasn't bad, like very, very bad, but I was very unhappy. Like I was, I was married. I was very unhappily married. It was completely wrong for me. And Estonia never felt really like home for me. Like it was something, I I guess it was because the people there had just come out of like Soviet repression, right? I mean, even though it was amazingly like interesting to live in a country where like at the time when they create everything, they create the laws, they're like new passports, the new money, like they... I was there when, when uh, they allowed um, imports for the first time. So we went like one day of nothing, having nothing in the stores. 
to the next day having like bananas and oranges and you know I went through times when there was no toilet paper and you would like walk down the street and somebody would say hey there's toilet paper in the store and everyone would like run to get toilet paper I mean it's kind of like here actually (laughs) in the beginning of COVID (laughs) but anyway so like you think about like people like growing up in that kind of environment where where nothing is available and where you're not allowed to, to um, you know, sing your own songs or like they, you're a second-class citizen in your own country and, and um, you know, you're not allowed to raise your own flag or celebrate Christmas or go to church or like you, you're so repressed and then me, who had already lived in like Sweden and already traveled to like, you know, I don't know, at that time, maybe 30 countries and and lived in England already. And, and I was a very free spirit and I, I could never completely connect to the people there, even though they were like by blood, my people. So anyway, mm-hmm. so where, how did I end up in New York? So I had, my parents died. I split up from this relationship. I knew at that time, point that I didn't want to live in Estonia. I didn't want to live in Sweden because I never felt at home there either. I had already lived in England. I didn't want to live in England at that point again. Um, So I saw this course um, in advertising and it was six months in Sweden and six months in New York. So I thought you know, that sounds interesting. And I had like, I had run a business in in Estonia and had studied art in in London. So I thought, oh, you know, those two together, um, you know, that like advertising is like a natural next step. Mm -hmm. So I came to New York and I knew even before coming, I had decided that I was going to stay for two years. And I did get a job straight away. Um, and I had like a work permit and all that. I've always been here legally in case somebody somebody uh, wonders. But I always had a work permit. And then I met my husband and he's, um, he's Peruvian-American. And I fell in love. I mean, it was like my soulmate. So it took a while to figure things out. But um, I stayed because of him. His whole family is here. Hmm. No, I love it. It's it, like you said, 2020 is a year of reflection. And when we're going through this day to day experience, it doesn't make sense or we can't really connect the dots. But when you look back, you're like, oh, okay. Uh, on a soul level, yes, this my first partner, we were going to have our experience, but then it was going to end, which would lead me to my new love. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so easy in hindsight to, 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 and if you believe in like that the soul, souls come to this, this life with a purpose, it's so easy to see the patterns like, oh, I wouldn't, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't been in a bad relationship, I wouldn't be afraid of having like going into a, a serious relationship, which would have meant that I wouldn't have the patience to wait for mm-hmm. my now husband to come to the same place, you know. Mm-hmm. So everything, um, everything has, um, 
has a meaning. And, and I think this year, what's so interesting about 2020, um, if you're lucky enough to be healthy and have a job and, and um, not have any one, one of your loved, loved ones suffering, what's so interesting about this year is that you can step back and just observe. And a lot of people have found like themselves again, like we're kind of off the rat race. Like it's always been like do, 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 do. And now we can't do as much any longer. I mean, at this time. We, we so have to you, kind of stop and go ahead. Are you saying that we were human doings in the past and now we're human <laughs> <Yeah>. beings again? <laughs> at least I was. <laughs> I'm sure not everyone was, but like for me, it's been like I've, I'm lucky enough to have a job, right? So I work, but I'm like every morning I go out for a walk. So since March, like uh, March 13th, I think was the first time, first day I worked at home, I go out for a walk in a park. I have a beautiful park next door. Like I go there, I breathe the, the fresh air, I look at the squirrels, I look at the flowers, I look at like I am amazed how, you know, whoever planted the park, like how they did it so that every week there's something new to look at and experience. I look at the the squirrels who throw down the um, acorns from the trees and how they, like it's, there's so much that I see this year that I never saw before because I was always rushing like I'm mm-hmm. you know as as you said in my intro right I I work full-time I travel I write books like I there like I was always doing something and now I'm like okay I can't do something all the time to have time to actually stop and so to say smell the roses sure I, I love it and, and that's why I wanted to do the share that story because uh, it, it's all perception. We can, it depends on how we're looking at something and we could talk about an arm's length of things and why it's going wrong, but you can use that other arm and say what's going right. And now is the time where you can actually take a deep breath and do that. Yeah. 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 And it, it made me also think of, um, as you were talking about your background, about you being an author, you write books, but you don't just write advertising books that, that you went to school for. You, you write <laughs> the holy conspiracy and in a lot of the historical uh, Jesus or Yeshua or the religious text. And I, I wanted to know, instead of just going into advertising, which would make sense on a linear level, what was the, what was the drive? What was the attraction to write in the, the semi-religious area? So it's kind of, uh, a long story, so I'm going to try to make it like not too long. But yeah. when I came to, um, well, let me start by saying like I'm not religious. So I write about Jesus, but I don't believe in religion. I believe in God, but, you know, I'm not religious, if that makes sense. It does. So when I came to, <laughs> when I came to New York, um, I... Some, it started with like once going to mediums trying to communicate with my parents. So I ended up in this group in um, in Manhattan, um, a channel called Alex Murray, who uh, who still channels, but he was 
he was like super successful. I guess at one point he was he channeled for the UN in a session for the UN, and he's like super amazing and kind and and an amazingly clear channel. Anyway, so I ended up in this by coincidence, as it is, or as we call it, coincidence, in a group uh, where he channeled every Tuesday, and he brought in spirits into his body and they communicated through him so um i loved it because it was like kind of my church you know you go and hear the spirits talk about what's going on in the world and then you get like you know a short message or something at the end or sometimes you didn't get a message or and sometimes you just got a short message and stuff like that so i at some point um he started teaching also channeling. So I was in a group like that said, like, yeah, I want to learn this. And I had already been, like, I think all my life pretty much in contact with spirits, even though I didn't really know how to hone it. Like, I I could ask questions and I got answers, but I didn't really know how to do it, like how to do it purposefully, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I started with him and uh, learned channeling. And then one day, this uh, man in my group who was also a student, he said, oh, why don't you come out to the Rockaways? You know, we're getting together a group of people. You know, I would love for you to come to channel. So I went there. Like, he picked me up. He drove me out there. And then, you know, I thought, like, we were all going to channel like we did in this group where we were learning. But, you know, we sit down and they said, okay, Christy, now you channel. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we were going to practice together. So I was put on the spot and I started, you know, like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, let me do this like I do in, in class, like when we're, when we're studying. And uh, it went very, very well. So it ended up being something I did for about a year, year and a half with this group of people every Sunday. So they would mm-hmm. come to my house and I would channel for a whole afternoon pretty much. And um, anyway, so with that, like getting to know spirit in a different way, I also started thinking about, you know, religion because a lot of people who are Christian I mean, specifically about Christianity. But a lot of people who are Christian, they say, oh, Jesus, you know, you can only, Jesus would only love you if you believe in Jesus. And if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. And, you know, there's so many people who, like, walk through the subways in New York and they say, like, oh, the time, the end times are near and you have to believe Jesus or you're going, you know, you're going to burn forever. And I was like, if Jesus is of God, like he wouldn't say that. He would be like, oh, let me save everyone, you know, because that's what a religious person would do. Mm-hmm. And like also the the thing about like, you know, gays and like, oh, no, gays, like, it's wrong to be homosexual. Why wouldn't you love everyone? Like, what does it matter? Like, you know, who they love or whatever. So I had like, it kind of started percolating in my mind, like all these thoughts about Jesus and, and stuff. And then one, but it was like in the back of my mind, because I was doing other things. I moved to 
Spain to study Spanish because things with my husband wasn't, weren't working out. My now husband, which was then my boyfriend, wasn't working out. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to learn Spanish, whatever. So I kept like thinking about it and doing other things. And then I got back with my husband and we traveled to India. And then one day in India, I'm walking down the street of Kolkata and um, I see this book, Jesus in India. Uh And I thought, Jesus in India, that's like super interesting because like, you know, like you're in India, you're looking at all the like Hindu temples and Buddhist monasteries and stuff like that, which are so interesting. And then I thought, Jesus in India, that sounds really interesting. For some reason, I didn't pick up this book. But then a few years later, let me see, like, uh, yeah, like a few years later, this book kind of ends up on my Kindle. I have Mm. no recollection of buying it. Mm -hmm. So it's this book called The Secret Life Life of Jesus Christ, written by this Russian explorer, Nicholas Notovich. And he traveled to India, northern India, or through India, in um, the 1880s. And he ended up in a Buddhist monastery in uh, Ladakh in um, Kashmir. And uh, it was a Tibetan monastery, and he broke his leg. And then he, he, um, the one day, the one of the Tibetan monks said, "Oh, do you know your Jesus was here?" And this monk then showed this Russian explorer the scrolls where it was like written how Jesus traveled through Asia, ended up in India and Nepal, and how he studied Hinduism and Buddhism, and how he brought that back to Palestine. So I thought that was really interesting, because I thought, wow, that, that you know, makes a lot of sense, you know, based on what I know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to close the window, because the noise outside. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, and I started, and at that point, we moved to, um, we moved to Peru for a while. So I had more time. I wasn't working full time, and I started reading up, and I started with reading the New Testament and going through it and looking at, like, what feels as if it's from God, and what, does it, what feels like it's not from God, like what resonates with me as being inclusive and what what sounds like it's more like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like dogma, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. So I started writing it. So it, this ended up being my first novel, um, The Transmigrant. Mm-hmm. So that's about Jesus in India. So then while I was researching for, for uh, The Transmigrant and I read through the New Testament for the first time, then I'm like, there was something in this book that I had never, in, in the New Testament, that I had never heard of before. And it was so clearly right there that Jesus' brother, James, or as I call him in the Holy Conspiracy, Yaakov, because I've been using the, the Aramaic names, James was the leader of the church, and the, church, the first church after Jesus' death and the church was in Jerusalem. 
And Paul, St. Paul, or the Apostle Paul, when he came, he did not get along with, with James and other disciples. And it's right there in the Bible, in, the, in, the, um, in the Paul's letters, actually. And mm-hmm. so I, I got really, really interested in that. And I, uh, I started reading up on it. And then after I finished the Transmigrant, then, you know, I, I did the research for the Holy Conspiracy. And that's, um, and that's what I just published like a month ago now on uh, September 16th. So anyways, why I write about religion is because I think that it's important, or why I write about Jesus specifically, I think it's so important that we pick and, how do I say this, that we pick the parts of religions any religions, like whether it's Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or Christianity, we don't have to follow all the rules because all the rules are man-made. God doesn't say that, oh, you, you know, should go to church on Sunday or, you know, you should be mean to your, your neighbor who's gay or, you know, for the Jewish people that, you know, God doesn't say that, oh, no, you can't eat milk and, and meat together or, you know, um, that you have to be circumcised or, you know, for the women to, to have their hair covered. God, like, why would God create people with hair if it has to be covered, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... I the the my kind of um, message is that that I think is is in all all religions. I believe mm-hmm. all religions are the same. Mm-hmm. The the kernel, the root of all religions are the same, and all religions are about loving each other and being one with God. We're all one with God. We're all creators. We're all co-creators. So where have you and been, you Christy? See... It sounds... Where have you been? It sounds like you solved all of the world's problems. You should be on the news. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm not the only one who thinks like this. Obviously. Sure. I mean, there's like, you know, millions of other people but I put it into, when I write, write about this, I put it into fiction. So it's mm-hmm. not as dry to read. So it's like mm-hmm. an interesting story. And I mean, I do it because I love fiction. So I like a good story and I read a lot. And it's just a way to um, spread my message to whoever's open to it. Sure. And I have some questions about the book, but since you mentioned that you lived in Peru, I do want to spend some time there because you were so close to all the shamans in that community out there. I wanted to know if you part, if you partook in any of the ayahuasca retreats out there. You know, what's so funny. It's not funny at all, but like when we were living in Peru, we were living in Lima and we were so, we got so busy with real estate um, transactions that 
we never got time to travel. And ayahuasca is one of the things that I really want to do because mm. I just want to see the the I, the bad. It's not necessarily the bad, but I want to see like all sides of me. And I want to do it for real, like with a real shaman. I don't want to do it like in Cusco, where I, most people do it. You have to go into the jungle to do it, Pucalpa mm-hmm. or or something, right? But mm-hmm. but but what happened in in Lima that was interesting is that I wasn't working at the time, as I mentioned, but I. Um, made a lot of money because I put up an ad for in the expat Peru, I think, um, um, community board. I put up an ad that for Reiki lessons, I mean, Reiki sessions and um, readings, channeled mm-hmm. readings, and and people came, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's true that they say, like, if you, if you uh, provide it, then people will come, or at least mm-hmm. if you come from a good place, I guess. But yeah, yeah, no, unfortunately, no shamans like that. Yeah, I was wondering if if there was going to be a connection. And of course, everyone's experience is different. But from someone that has been channeling and has relationships with the other realm, it'd be interesting to see what that was like after imbibing in the fluids of the ayahuasca. Yeah. For sure. No. I'm, so, uh, I'm going to go do list. it, and then I'm going to come back, and then it's going to be our next. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, I was connecting the dots again as you were talking, and when you had mentioned, well, first of all, I have to ask how you left Spain, because I have two sisters, one that still lives there, one that's transitioned, but they <laughs> don't see any Thing whatsoever pulling them away from that oasis and <laughs> I'm just interested of why you left I left because I was doing a course and when the course was over um, I went actually I came back to Sweden for a while and then I got and then I was just going to visit New York for a bit, and then I somehow my ex-boyfriend, who's now my husband, found out that I was there, and then we got together, and then I stayed. So that's the like, but you know, I'm I'm dreaming of going back to Spain. Like that's mm-hmm. that's all I that's all I talk about, and I'm so happy you said like your sisters love love it because I mm-hmm. love it. Like it's. Spain is amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all countries have good and bad. Like, let's not, you know, oh, of course, pretend of course. that that <laughs> anywhere is perfect. But I, we mean, don't, I love isn't the it. United like, States perfect? Um, <laughs> 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 I don't want to get the I don't want to get you on a tangent for that one. I was just there. There, there are things that I really like about the the United States. For example, what I've discovered during now during um, COVID outbreak and, and during the pandemic is that there are a lot of national parks that you can mm-hmm. just go and so I love that. I love in New York. I love the diversity. Mm-hmm. Like that's I think my favorite part 
I don't think I would live anywhere but New York because mm-hmm. I love that there are people from all over the world. And we have parties here. Like we have a small apartment, but we have a, a terrace, a private terrace. We have parties here with maybe like 30 people from 20 different countries. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's the best thing about the United States. <laughs> or the other sure. people. <laughs> sure, no, sure. No, I have many. I have many local friends too, but you know. I want to go back for a second because you were traveling to India, or how did I have the timeline? You were traveling to India. Oh, yes, you were traveling to India, and you found the book Jesus in India. And while it sounded intriguing, you didn't pick it up. And then all these years later, uh, it was on your Kindle. And so my question is, or I, don't, I want to know if you've ever asked Spirit uh, how many times that they try to get our, or in this case, your attention it, for you to finally pick up your soul path. And I don't know how many years passed when you were from, in India and then when it was on your Kindle, but I, I'm just wondering how many times that uh, we call them spiritual four-by-fours where you don't pay attention to some of the messages until <laughs> they're screaming at you. Yeah, I was listening to one of your other podcasts the other day, and you said something like, or no, it was actually, it wasn't yours. It was the, the Abraham, the Abraham Hicks ones, where uh-huh. they said that the spirit laughs at you. Yes. What, because you, like, miss the exit all the time? Or, you know, you <laughs> like, miss the entrance? Like, they're not laughing, like, you know, at you, but they're laughing because they're like, oh, look, you missed it again. Um, interesting question. I I have never asked Spirit that, but I think it was, it had to be at the right time in my life for me to really delve into it because when I'm working, I'm, I work really hard, whatever I do. So if, I have, if I'm in a day job, then that eats up all my time. So I wouldn't have had time to, to read up on it and really delve into it the way I did when I was living in Peru. So I think the time was right. Mm. It couldn't okay. have happened sooner. Mm-hmm. And at that point also, because... I went, I'm trying to think, like I went to India the first time in 2006, I think. And in 2008, I started studying Reiki. So I think I needed to study Reiki before I could write about Jesus because of the healing because I wouldn't have understood it otherwise if I hadn't studied Reiki. Gotcha, gotcha. Wow, I, I, okay, that makes sense. And <laughs> so, no, it, it's just really, I like weaving, I mean, obviously we can look back now and it makes sense, but from a, a global perspective, it seems like 2020, again, everyone, our human doing has been put on hold and, you know, some people are, are still dealing with weapons of mass, mass distractions, so their social medias and, and what have you. But others are taking the time to appreciate the silence 
and like you said, smell the roses. So it seems like a global agreement for 2020 where, not to make a chasm, but it may be the perfect time, right? There would, there would never be another time where everyone pretty much had to halt everything they were doing to re-examine how their lives were going. I think it's super interesting that this is happening to the whole world at the same time. I mean, what could be more symbolic than that? Mm-hmm. You know, we're everywhere in the world. We're going through the same thing. Even though, like, yeah, in different parts we're doing it as a, like, like more, we have a more serious issue than other people. And you were saying, like, in Atlanta there, you know, it's, it's never closed down completely, whereas in New York it did, in Sweden where my, my, one of my sisters live, lives in Sweden right now, um, you know, there they never closed down completely either. But there, again, almost everyone has been sick with COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and, and are like talking about that. I mean, it's interesting that they're like, the way I looked at it from the beginning was like, wow, this is like such a great, I'm I'm struggling not to say great because I know that a lot of people have suffered and a lot of people have died. So I don't mean it, like I mean it from a spiritual place, that Mm -hmm. it's it's been um, a great opportunity for us as as the human race to change. Mm -hmm. Because look at what we're doing to Mother Nature. I mean, look at what we're, like, all the pollution and everything. Like, we've been so focused on making money and buying things. And, you know, like, as I said, like, I would, I'm completely in the rat race. Like, working, like, getting to work at 8 a.m., getting home at 7 you know, eating, you know, working out a little bit, going to bed. I mean, I had no life. And writing a book. Um, I had no life. And mm-hmm. right now, yeah, so, but, but maybe most of all, like, for, for Mother Nature, I think it's been a gift because of Mother Nature that we, we had to stop and just, press the pause button for a while and see, like, what really matters and, and what can we do better? What's the best me, you know? That, w- that was the, the great, greatest thing to me in March, late March, early April, and just watching social media and even around where I live, just seeing the animals come back out. You know, they were like, yeah. oh, good. You know, they start smoking cigarettes like, oh, the humans are gone. We can relax again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just yeah. really cool to see. And with you living in all these different countries, I, I wanted to get your take because this is the first time that I can remember where here in, uh, in the U.S. we were so used to traveling everywhere. I'm used to getting my passport stamped. And a lot of these countries won't let us into uh, their country based on how we responded to COVID. And I bring it up because in in the Holy Conspiracy, uh, Jesus has died and and people are trying to make some semblance of life after that. 
And with COVID, there are a lot of there is a, a segment of the population they're leaving the big cities, New York, um, California, but others are looking to leave the country and places that they thought they can go to, they're not allowed to, or there's a lot of red tape because of how the U.S. has responded to COVID. So I, I wanted to get your take on that current environment, if, if people are talking about that in New York, or uh, what about you? Are you planning to stay there once this, once the, this is over? Uh, what's on your mind right now? So in general, yeah, like here in New York, like a lot of people went out of the city, you know, during the summer, and a lot of people are coming back. So I think there's, like, there, there's definitely, like, a migration out of the city, but I also think it's, there are people who belong in New York City and there are people who don't belong here. Like people who mm-hmm. just came here for work to make money and there are the people there are the people who are, you know, the soul of New York, which is like the artists and musicians and, you know restaurateurs, I guess. Um, you know, so I think that for New York, this is my belief. I mean, I you know, I just this is what I believe, but I believe New York is going to be better off for it because you're going to get rid of some of the plastic people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for uh, the, like that we can't travel and stuff like that. I think it's, I mean, again, it's like you're put in a situation where you can't do what you usually do like for, for me and my husband, for example, we bought a car. We've gone like places nearby that we've never been to. And it's like, I've always been like, oh, you know, I want to move back to Spain. But then I'm like, if I were, if I could never leave, then now, is, now I realize that I can make the best of it. Like I can see instead of always like looking like the grass is greener somewhere else, you can also realize what's great about your own country, your own place. So that's mm. kind of where I am with it. No, I like that. A long round, roundabout way to get to the point, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it speaks to so many different areas of life. Uh, as you mentioned, going through these challenges makes us stronger and puts us, it perfectly positions us for our next phase of life, right? Like you said, you couldn't travel until you learned Reiki and to understand healing after that. And so there's in the news a lot of, a lot of divorces, a lot of um, domestic violence, what have you. But, and there will be a lot of uh, breakups. But for the, the couples and the families that are stronger because of this, then it's kind of like, well, if we made it through a pandemic, we can make it through anything. Yeah. And I think, I mean, God, I, I, I'm so sorry for the people who are going through domestic violence because I can't even imagine what it must be like to be shut in with somebody who's, yeah, who hits you, you know? I mean, it it must be hell, right? Sure. On a soul level, on a soul level, maybe this is the the last drop and to get out of it, you Mm -hmm. know? Maybe, mm-hmm. because I believe a lot of the time, 
the universe gives you or you choose as a soul. You, um, sorry, I'm stuttering. Um, but you choose as a soul the hardest way, right, to learn something mm-hmm. pro- from it. You think, like, how would anyone choose to live with a spouse that beats them up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you, as a soul, can learn from it and come out better on the other side, maybe you chose it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you chose it. And a lot of the time, I think, the universe gives you, like, like you, kind of like you said before about, like, finding the entrances or the exits of the highway. Like, the u- universe nudges you, like, oh, here's the exit, here's the exit, here's the exit. And you keep on driving down the down the highway and missing all of that. And sometimes you just have to go to the darkest place in order to to make changes, to realize, like, this is unbearable. Like, I thought I could do it, but I can't. I have to change my ways. And mm-hmm. changing your ways is what the universe wants or what you at, at a soul level want, mm-hmm. right? I mean, well, I... I've been through things like that where it's like, you know, I try and I'm like, if I try harder, if I like do better, if I like work, instead of working 12 hours, I work 18 hours, like then, you know, then it will work. But it won't. Like as long as you're doing the same thing, Mm. you're not going to fix it. Like you're not, like nothing's going to change. So sometimes you have to just go to hell to be able to just see the way out of there. Well, that's what's so comforting, even though it's fiction, of reading about the holy conspiracy because, you know, right now in 2020, we could think, oh, my goodness, how can it get worse than this? <laughs> but we look at <laughs> 2,000 years ago and, and the things that they had to live through, and, and it puts it in perspective. And at that time, it seemed really dark, right? Jesus just died. You know, can we just bury our heads so we don't get found out? Should we stay in the same space? Like the universe continues to move us, uh, even kicking and screaming sometimes, and sometimes willingly, uh, but it's always to our, our highest good. And so I think that's, uh, again, thanking you for creating something like the Holy Conspiracy because I can see those parallels of any life, my life and others, of stagnation and then comfort. And comfort could be bad for you, right? Because you're not willing to go. You're in your comfort zone. You don't want to break out of that. And you you cover a lot of those topics in the Holy Conspiracy. Yeah. I think that I'm glad that it makes sense to you and that it, it resonates with you and that you see the parallels with 2020. Um, I was just going to say I... I think change is always scary in the beginning. Sometimes it's exhilarating, but it's always scary. So sometimes we just need to make changes. But yeah, like when, like just to um, kind of explain to the listeners, like when in the Holy Conspiracy, like when Jesus died, he didn't come back as, he didn't come back three days later because that's something that the Apostle Paul, he was the one who invented that story of Jesus risen after 
three days because it made sense to his congregation and it made him kind of look good. But what I believe happened, and of course, I don't know for sure, and nobody doesn't know for sure, and in the end, it doesn't really matter either. But in the Holy Conspiracy, um, Jesus dies and then he's dead. So in spirit, he talks to Mary Magdalene, but he doesn't come back and eat with them and go fishing with them and stuff like that, that that they always show in the movies, because that's not the story of the disciples. That's the story that comes from Acts, which was written by followers of Paul, who had never, Paul had never met Jesus and his followers hadn't met Jesus either. So this is just stories. Um, but I think that's, um, but, but then the disciples, they want to spread, even though they're afraid for their lives, they want to spread the message of we are all one with God because that's essentially what Jesus died for because he, he uh, at that point, like the Romans. Now I'm getting like really back into the, the backstory. But the Romans, um, they wanted to control the people in Judea at the moment because Israel left the country and even Palestine. They did, it didn't really exist in those days. It was different areas like Judea, Galilee, Samaria. So the Romans tried to control the Jewish people, and the way they could do it was with the help of the, the high priest. So mm-hmm. the, why I believe Jesus was killed, and there's a fantastic book about it, and I don't remember the name right now, <laughs> but um, the, what I believe is that Jesus, he, he was... Um, he was um, crucified kind of to show the people don't mess with the Romans, don't, don't do disturbances. Like kind of, kind of like the protest would be today. Like if we right. had <laughs> a totalitarian government, you know, or sometimes we do, mm-hmm. like the army comes in and just shoots people down. It's like, don't raise your voice, don't stand mm-hmm. up, don't fight for your rights. Because that's, what, that's essentially what the Jewish people were starting to do in those days. And it took 30 years until, until AD 66 until they had the, 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 the Jewish uprising and that second temple, the, the Herod's temple, essentially, the temple of the Jews got destroyed. Mm-hmm. But they had started the uprising and the Romans had to had to kind of eliminate the people who were disturbing the peace, and Jesus was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, uh, you know, there, there's two sides to the story of people asking, uh, where do we see 2021? When's it going to get go back to normal? And then others that are saying that, well, this is the new normal, and how do we adapt? And as I was saying that statement, I was thinking, in the old world, you would actually take your book on the road around the country to share your story with the Holy Conspiracy, and it would be really interesting here here in the States, because since you've lived all over, 
you see so many different perspectives. And I'm, I'm just wondering, preparing for if you were in middle America, who if they've never left and they had this, they're holding on to one belief and, and not even open to listening to other world views, how you would respond to it? How I would respond to people like in middle America who... Yeah, New York who, is New York is New York. It's its own, you know, New York and California, right? But outside of that, uh, you don't have that diversity that uh, those states have. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the thing is, like, you can't change people's minds. That's something that I've learned. Like, I cannot, like, I can sow a seed in you that you then will either accept or reject. Like, I can't change your mind. I'm, I mean, if you're, if you're sure of what you believe, there's no way I can change your mind. That's why political discussions or arguments are so futile, really, because you can't. Like, if somebody's sure of something, you can't change your mind. In middle America, if, they, if I went there with a holy conspiracy, you know, to talk about it, they probably would reject it. But there's, there are always people who who are open-minded and what's really what I found interesting with my book books is that I appeal a lot to people or my books appeal a lot to people who have walked away from religion from the church for some reason or another right and they they love Jesus but they don't love Christianity they love re- Jesus, but they don't love the church. So they have had to walk away from both because they don't like, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not, I've never been in that situation, but maybe they, they don't like what the priest is saying or that the, you know, the church is against, you know, I, I keep bringing up gays for some reason today, but, you know, maybe they're, they can't relate to some of the church's beliefs but when you show them a Jesus that's actually open-minded, welcoming, inclusive not exclusive, right? When you show them or portray a Jesus that's loving and kind and 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 things like yeah, like it's based on love, like his message is based on love, not not um, hatred or um, condemnation, I guess. Uh-huh. Then people want that, like they like that. That's like uh-huh. the Jesus they want. So I like my books appeal to a lot of Christians, actually. Well, I was also thinking pre-internet, right, if you're in one of these, small towns, you may be the only one that feels that way, but with the internet, right, there's clusters of people that have the same mindsets and what have you. And as you said, you're touching so many different people, uh, but if they'd never heard of your book before, how, how could they get their hands on it? Well, it's available everywhere books are sold. So there, it's available on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, Kobo, Apple Books, um, my website, you can go to the 
theholyconspiracy.com and you get into the book page to read more about it if you want. Nice, thanks, nice. And is there... Is that, is, was that your question? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> okay. I was like, yeah. did I misunderstand you? <laughs> no, not at all. It was just to get it out there and to let more people know about it. And are, are you doing webinars or, or speaking? What, what's in the future for Christy as far as this book? And uh, is this your last book? I, it doesn't sound like it. No, so I'm um, planning a series of um, YouTube videos uh, on the subject. Um, I'm doing a few podcast interviews, uh, some on video, some not on video. Um, and my next book is a good question because I have a few ideas. Um, I'm really curious about St. Thomas because the um, – the Gospel of Thomas is so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the Acts of Thomas. is another book that just I didn't think I had. And this reader in Italy reached out to me and he said, oh, you have to read Acts, Acts of Thomas. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. I should buy it. And I went to Amazon and they said like, oh, no, you already bought it. So I was like, oh, okay. Because I've read like hundreds of books on the topic. Like I've done really thorough research. So I'm interested about him because he founded the church in India. Mm-hmm. So, so that for me would be interesting to write about. But I'm also thinking of writing something more commercial for a change just to uh, – for, uh, but also like um, spiritual. Mm-hmm. I did look into – because I, I did look into writing about Mary Magdalene in France because the holy conspiracy kind of leads it there without giving away too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that there's not much of a story. So I've written the outline, but I don't know if I'm going to go there. But yeah, definitely like one or two more books on the subject of Jesus and the disciples. And what, re- what I try to get to is what really happened. If you take away all the... Like if you go to the most authentic sources and try to figure out what really happened, I think I'm much closer to what it was really like than what you would usually see in movies, even though I do always say as well that it's fiction and we will never know. Mm, Yes, indeed. I can't be proven right or wrong. I can't. Because we will right. never know. There, nobody, nobody was there. Still alive. Right. No, and I, I love just the worldview that you have gives it, gives it its flair in a different perspective as well. And so, yeah, please keep us in mind as those books come out, as they manifest, uh, because the Holy Conspiracy was a great read, and I think that anyone that's introduced to your writing will be fervent and waiting for your new stuff to come out. So uh, please keep us in mind in the future. Thank you so much. That's so nice of you to say. Thank you. Sure. And with that, you've just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homies Perspective. This is Hamza and Christy Duarte. It was a pleasure. Let's stay in touch. Thank you so much, Hamza. I loved being here. It was fun. 
Yes. Cheers. Thanks. Bye.